Omajanatramanandasya Janajana Salakaya Chakshubamilitanyena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Vanchakapatu Basya Kukasam Devacha Patitanam Pamanebhyo Vaishnavijidamo Namaha So good evening everyone. Question. You can. I was trying to remember from last, uh, from Tuesday's class, you were saying, I think it was the two parts of Ruchi, but I wasn't sure whether it was one part of Ruchi and then us, Sakti. Okay, in regards but, to? Um, one of them is attachment to the process, mm-hmm. being attached to chanting and attached to your service. Mm-hmm. And then the second part was attached to Krishna. Mm-hmm. So was that the two parts of Ruchi? No. Ruchi is characterized by attachment to your de- the, de- the items of devotional service. So the, uh, the actual sense of, of wanting just Krishna hasn't yet fully manifest. So Ruchi is you're getting some, some pleasure. The pleasure that we used to find in the modes of material nature has now been replaced with the pleasure of engaging in the devotional process. To such an extent that what? Uh, nadanam, Najanam, Nasundarim. There's actually, I'm losing all taste. And even up to the, even in Artha, Dharma, Karma, Moksha, all those things are completely falling away at Ruchi. And they're being replaced by the sweet taste of engaging in devotional practice. Asakti is the object of the practice becomes more prominent. So we're going to review that this evening and go forward from there. We're going to review Ruchi and go on to Asakti this evening. And then I've gone, I've looked through the way that Vishwanath deals with bhava and praying in the rest of Madhurya Kadambani. And it's not, there's not a lot of technical information there. Whereas I think if we look at the beginning, there's been a lot of technical information. You know, what are the six stages of, of you know, un, unsteady practice and what are the, uh, you know, what are the clashes, the five clashes and then the four kinds of uh, sinful life, sinful activity. So in the end, it's, it's more uh, giving a sense of what is the mentality of the devotees, the devotee at the stage of bhava and at the stage of, of praying. Ruchi. We'll go through exactly what Vishwanath writes here. This is the fifth shower, and then we'll elaborate on a couple. We've already gone through this. We'll elaborate on a couple points uh, that I didn't get to last week, and then we'll move on to Asakti. Ruchi, Ruchi, now we're getting a taste. The gold coin of bhakti illuminated by the fire of devotional practices. By its splendor gives rise to ruchi in the heart of the devotee. Ruchi means a special taste in every devotional part, such as chanting, hearing, and so on. In this stage, a sadhaka never feels the slightest fatigue, even by repeated hearing and chanting. Ruchi quickly causes the devotee's intense absorption in chanting and hearing. So if we remember, at the end of Nista, what was the characteristic that Vishwanath... He said, well, we can tell somebody's at Nista by what? 
he's got all the good qualities that you would expect to see in a devotee. He's humble, he's, he's, he's caring, he's kind, he's generous, he's clean. Just whatever you would expect perfect devotee of the Lord to be, all those qualities are manifesting in him at the, at the stage of Nista. He's becoming steady, he's fixed up, and everything you would expect to see in a steady devotee, you see. But sometimes somebody could be at Nista, but he, doesn't, he might not display all those qualities. So he may, he says, the primary determiner of Nista is what? That attachment to the hearing and chanting. That does not abate. So even there's some flaws of, of bad character, a little arrogance or something in a devotee that you would say, well, he couldn't be a Nista. He actually may be. And Vishwanath goes on to say, we may see all these characters in someone just coming but he may not be yet at Nista. So, um, it's funny. <laughs> they say, well, the qualities are there. You'll see all the qualities, and that's a determiner of Nista. Okay, I can go with that. But what's more important is the fact that they're, they're fixed in their practice. The bhajan is fixed. But if they're fixed in the practice, all those qualities are going to be there. Uh, I could read it the way they write it, and it's, it's interesting. The qualities should be, maybe somebody will be at Nista, but he won't be super, super, a super emblem of all the good qualities you'd, that you'd expect at that stage. So now we're talking of, of Ruchi and what's Vishwanath saying here? Intense absorption in chanting and hearing. He's, he's, he's fixed up. He's tasting something and it's, it's, it's an intense an intensity that's giving him a real taste for, his, for that devotional practice. Bhajan. Um, now Jiva Goswami says something in this regard in, in his commentary on the Bhakti Rasamrita Sundar. Ruchir Abhilasa Kintu Budi Purvakam. Ruchi means desire to attain Krishna and his service, but such desires appear intentionally. So we touched upon this last class. There's an intent. The devotee wants to attain Krishna. And that's his intent. So there's an intellectual intent involved in Ruchi. He's fixed in his service. He's in, he's, he has a determination in his chanting and hearing of attainment of Krishna. There's some real effort on his part. When his mind wanders, he does. He immediately pulls it back, immediately dragging it back to stay, because he's not going to be drug away from. From he's there's something really, really relishable there for him. He's at Ruchi. This is important. It's it's a distinction here. 
at the Ruchi stage, all these desires intentionally appear in the intellect. A distinction's made. A sakti stage, they appear spontaneously. There's an intellectual... Intellect is driving the devotee at the stage of ruchi as he matures into a sakti. Spontaneity in practice predominates. The intellectual pushing is no longer required. The other distinction between Ruchi and Asakti is in Ruchi, the taste is coming from the practices, from the chanting, from the hearing, from the, from the service. The relishing of Krishna, of course Krishna is present in his devotional practice, in devotional service, but the taste is coming from the items, the ungas of the practice. In a sakti, it's a little different. Then the taste is to taste the sweetness of Krishna. Krishna is beginning to manifest on the purified heart. So in Ruchi, there's still some lingering little bit of ignorance and lust, I mean, uh, passion, to such an extent that the mirror of the mind is not reflecting the form. The mirror of the heart is not yet reflecting the form of Krishna. So there's still some, some clearing is going on at this stage of Ruchi. But a very important point is at this stage we're full on. This is, this is what? Nothing else is going to satisfy me. I'm, I'm going to attain the Supreme Lord. Nadanam, Najanam, none of this artha, dharma, karma, or even moksha has any Sweat, holds any sway over me at this stage in my devotional practice. Vishwanath talks about the Brahmana boy in the beginning. What? He studies the scriptures, and in studying the scriptures, it's all a little disjointed. But he's, as he continues in his studies, everything's, the pieces start to fit together and he starts to see what's the underlying principle and the underlying teaching that's coming through. It's all about bhakti. In the beginning, so many things are swirling around. But as he continues, so again, he's likening that stage of the young student when everything starts to gel, everything starts to make perfect sense, everything that he reads centers around pure bhakti without, without any tinges of misconception, that's that he likens to ruchi. 
And he also what? He uses the other analogy of the sugar cane. At Ruchi, the taste of the sugar cane is now coming through. The jaundice is practically all gone. So all these things Vishwanath is saying, now we can see, now we know this is Ruchi. This is how we can know this is Ruchi. And then he goes on to explain what? Two kinds of Ruchi. Ruchi where everything should, everything's got to be, I'm more, I'm more pleased when I like the melody, I like the tune, I like the leader, I like the, the eloquence of the speaker, I like the perfection of all the ornaments, then my service is really good. Then I can really taste my devotional practice. Yeah, but when the, you know, when the, the new boy on the block comes in and he can't even keep a beat nor a tune, um, yeah, I'm not so attracted to that. Gives an analogy here which is quite interesting. If you are starving, whatever's placed before you tastes good. Right? Right. But if you're satisfied and the appetite Really, you're only going to eat and dig in when what? It's a feast. So, a little bit of an understanding regarding these two types of ruchi. First of all, the one where I'm starving for Krishna. I'll eat whatever whatever's placed before me as far as devotional practice. The kirtan to be good or bad, the, the prashadam can be good or bad, the service good or bad the class, the speaker can be good or bad. I'm, it's all good for me. And the other devotee, he has a taste for Ruchi, but he, he eats sumptuously when the feast is there. He really relishes when the feast is there. How much more the person that's starving enjoys the meal when it's a feast. So when he goes to the big kirtan and the the best of the kirtaneers are there and their you know their hearts are in it, then he's really really you know because he's satisfied and nourished spiritually even when whoever's leading or giving the class, or whatever the facilities are for the deity worship or the cooking, whatever his service may be. So. Vishwanath's really given us some indications here, some indications. What is Ruchi? What, how to recognize it? How to recognize it in the devotee? Um, basically, how to, re- how to recognize what are the characteristics of this stage. Of course, most of this we're talking about when we come to the stage of Ruchi and Sakti, Bhava. Uh, the indicators then are the indicators we really have to rely because most of this in those devotees that are that are experiencing these higher you know, they're 
they made it to the plateau of, of steady practice, and now they're really in, enjoying their spiritual lives. It's hard for us to judge. Well, who, you know, we have to judge. We judge by what? By scripture at that stage. And that's where uh, Guru Maharaja's class is now. He's explaining. Look at the symptoms of somebody at the stage of bhava. You know, and, and what, what are the characteristics? And what are those different, those different individuals in the, in the narration of the, uh, the spotless Bhagavat Purana of those devotees? You can see this, this is a characteristic of bhava. Uh, a Maharaj Pariksit who can, you know, who can go without eating or sleeping for seven days and accept whatever, whatever is coming his way by the Lord's arrangement. So if he's going to be, if Providence has written into his stars that he's going to be attacked by a snake bird. Is this a snake bird? Mm-hmm. Fine. I'm good with that. I can go with that. Me, I'd be running for the hills. Get me out of here. Can I hide somewhere? <laughs> a cave? You know, but so these are the characteristics. These ex- exceptional characteristics of somebody, you know, at the stage. The higher stages. Now, Vishwanath gives a bit of a narration to give us a glimpse into the mental state of the devotee who, who's, who's finally reached Ruchi. And it's interesting. It's an interesting narration. If you listen carefully, you can say, oh, I see. I can see that one of the predominant characteristics of Ruchi is, why did I beat around the bush? So let me read it, and I think you'll see what I'm saying there. Asadaka, having attained Ruchi, says to his friend, O friend, giving up the nectar of Krishna's name, why are you absorbed in acquiring wealth, which is attained after many efforts and makes one worry for its security? What shall I tell you? Shame on me. I am such a sinful person that, though I receive the most precious jewel of bhakti by the mercy of Gurudev, I kept it tied in a knot in my cloth. Not knowing its value with the desire of a tiny speck of false pleasure, I was searching for a broken cowrie shell on the shores of the ocean of material affairs. Thus, I merely wasted my life wandering here and there, Without practicing any of the devotional parts, I simply showed laziness. Oh, I am such an evil person that until now I relished bitter false gossip as if it were sweet nectar and remained apathetic to chant the holy names, qualities, and pastimes of the Lord. Oh, as soon as Harikatha starts, I fall asleep. But if useless idle talk starts, I immediately wake up and my ears perk up. I have thus many times contaminated the assembly of sadhus. What sinful acts have I not done, even in my old age, simply to satisfy my insatiable belly? I don't know for how long or in what hell I'll have to suffer 
for, for such sinful acts. In this way, the devotee repents. He's come to the stage of ruchi. He's starting to taste the sweetness of the practice. He looks back on his devotional life prior to that taste entering him. And he can only repent. Wow! I had this. It's like my guru wanted me to take this from day one. He put this in front of me. Here you take this sweetness of devotional life. It is the best course of action. I took his instruction for granted. I just hung around. I didn't really take it seriously. I just tied it in my my cloth. I'll get around to that serious work later. I'll get around to that serious chanting a little later. I'll really take interest in the scriptures next week or next month. I got a family to raise. I got I, I have a life to live. I have so many other things that are of, of great importance to me. Uh, and I'll give a little donation and I'll I'll come to a festival once in a while and you know. So we we become somewhat nonchalant. We take the process for granted. But we can see from what Vishwanath is giving us here what happens when it actually starts to work. Because despite our nonchalant attitude, despite the fact that for the most part we've slacked off through our whole devotional life, despite that, the guru's still giving us the mercy. Oh, well, he's been around for a long time. I've got to help him out as best I can. You know, the guru keeps trying to give the mercy. Oh, yes, give him some blessing. Look, he's been here for 30 years. I have to do something for him. Oh, my gosh, he's about to leave his body. Well, let me give him a little taste at this point. I know he didn't re- wasn't really serious from day one, but, you know, let me show him some mercy. So now at the end, or now after, after decades or whatever, he gets a little mercy, he starts to get a taste, and he realizes, oh my God, I could have had this years ago if I'd only put my heart where my spiritual master told me to put my heart. If I'd put all of my energy in at that stage, how quick, how nice it would have been for me. He repents. Could he have sped up the process? I don't know. Sometimes we just have to work and Krishna does his work and the spiritual master does his work and we gradually cleanse our heart. So can we speed it up? We can try, but who knows what we're working against. We're here hoping that we can come to the stage of desiring mercy and mercy only. That's all we're doing. Our process is to beg for the mercy of, 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 of Bhakti Devi coming through the spiritual master. Can we speed up the process? Could we do more? Could we have done more? Could this particular devotee who's repenting like this have arrived there sooner? 
He might have, he might not have. But once he does arrive, this is his mentality. This is the way he's thinking. I could have. I should have. Why didn't I? And thus he repents. Thus he feels. I just didn't. Wow, if I'd only known. Because now when I chant, it's tasted a little good. It's, uh, you know, I'm relishing this more and more each day. I've become steady. I've become fixed. He's, what a glorious position to attain such a, such a, such a, such a relish for devotional practice. This is Ruchi. This relish for the devotional practice has come, and it's not a fleeting thing. In the beginning, sometimes there's some some exceptional mercy from the heart of the, the guru, the pure devotees, the sadhus. They're giving us blessing, and we're we're allowed entrance into spiritual emotion that we're not yet qualified for. And it's an amazing thing. That little entrance, sometimes, that little door, opening that little pane and letting us see what is spiritual life is enough to carry us for a whole lifetime of practice. I want to leave and then I remember, wow, that one day, that one time, oh, I can't leave. That's there for me someday, some lifetime. What I was given a taste, an unqualified person I am, I was given a taste. Why do, Why am I thinking I should leave this? Let me remember that taste. Maybe that taste will come someday, some life, some way, somehow. The person of Ruchi, he's starting to get that taste in a very substantial way from his practice. And it's coming in a, reg- in a regulated fashion. This is Ruchi. Asakti. Oh my. Well, here we go. The sixth shower of nectar. Now, a little bit more explanation of the distinction between those devotees that have made this outrageous stage, that they're ruchi, asakti. And again, there's, you know, it's, these are not black and white. We have a tendency in everything, it has, okay, we're done with this one, now we go on. I'm out of the 11th grade and I'm going to be a 12th grader. I'm done with that. (laughs) Devotional practice, it's, it's more, more grays than it's turning into technicolor. So it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not really like the Wizard of Oz that one day the light's going to, you know, the, the black and white's going to turn off and you're going to see everything in transcendence. You know, it's, it's, it's a gradual evolution, evolution of spiritual uh, development. So... Um, these things are sticking with us, this taste for the... It's not that at the stage of a sakti, there's no more taste for chanting and hearing, and all you want to do is taste the sweetness of Krishna. 
No, where, where do you taste that sweetness? You taste that sweetness in the same places. Krishna, but he's coming through more. So let's look at these distinctions. So we're in the sixth shower. Sixth shower is, first of all, from Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. What is he, how is he distinguishing this stage of Asakti? Where, where, what the object is becoming very, very substantial. So much so that I nanda tanujakinkara. I want to live in the house of Nanda Maharaj. I want to be in the village of Raj. I want to be part of the Krishna scene, the Krishna, the Krishna family. I nanda tanujakinkara. So. This is Sri Chaitanya's uh, verse, which which exemplifies this asakti, that really the object of our devotional practice is now becoming manifest. English translation of Vishwanath's prose here: When ruchi related to devotion attains paramount maturity, paramount. Is that right? Paramount majority. And the worship of the Lord becomes one's object, Visaya. Then it is known as Asakti or attachment. This Asakti appears as clusters of buds on the desire creeper of Bhakti, proclaiming the shift, swift appearance of Baba flowers and Prem fruits. Ruchi has devotion as its object. Devotion as its object. And Asakti has the worshipable Lord as its object. Gradually, the change is coming from the practice. Now, now it's just about attaining the object of the practice. This characteristic is mentioned just to show the predominance of the respective objects in Ruchi and Asakti. Indeed, Ruchi and Asakti both have devotion and the worshipable Lord as their object. There is a difference in being immature or mature. Asakti cleans the mirror of the devotee's heart in such a way the reflection of the Lord suddenly seems to be almost directly visible there. The devotee vows... Oh, my mind is afflicted by material desires. Let me fix it on the Lord. His mind thus ceases from the material affairs and becomes fixed on the Lord's form, qualities, and so on. So on. on the appearance of a sakti, however, the mind automatically fixes on the Lord before such deliberate efforts. Clear? Before there is an effort, again, a ruchi is characterized by that intellectual effort to engage in the process. And so much so that the taste is coming through the practice. Now, it's just, it's happening. It's spontaneous. The devotee in the nista stage is unable to detect how and when his mind ceases 
from chanting, hearing, and remembering the Lord and absorbs in mundane topics. We're going back to Nista and putting putting it in perspective. Okay? The devotee in the Nista stage is unable to detect how and when his mind slides back into mundane activity. A devotee at the stage of a sakti, however, is unable to detect when his mind leaves mundane topics and spontaneously absorbs in the topics of the Lord. His mind is somewhere now. Where is he? He's somewhere else. He 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 doesn't slip, slide back into material things. He. How did I start thinking of Krishna this time? Whereas whereas Nista, it's like, why did I start thinking about mundane topics? I was chanting my rounds and all of a sudden I'm thinking about going to the movies <laughs> where'd that come from at Asakti it's like exactly the opposite it's turned upside down He's able, he can't detect when his mind started to just think about Krishna I was thinking about go see a movie now I'm thinking about worshiping the deity, dressing the deity, serving the devotees, seeing if I, you know, I'd like, I think I'll go listen to a lecture of my guru. So it's like, the mind has now, the, the, the mirror of the mind has, be, has been cleansed. The devotee below this stage is unable to notice this. Only a do, devotee in a sakti can notice this. So, again, Ruchi has Bhajan as its object. Asakti has the worship of the Lord as its object. It's a given Ruchi in its mature stage thus transform into Asakti. And a little bit of clarification from Jiva Goswami's commentary on Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. In the stage of Ruchi, the desire to attain the Lord, the desire to be favorable to Him, and the desire for affection towards Him are nourished on purpose. Intent. There's intent. Intellectual intent. I want to... I want to I want to do my service in such a way that Krishna is pleased. I, I, I want to. I want to attain Krishna, and I don't want any. I don't want my affections to be anywhere else except in Krishna. Wait, are you talking about Ruchi or Sakti? Ruchi. We're talking about Ruchi. Is it intellect? Yes, intellect at the stage of Ruchi, but in the stage of a Sakti. Jiva Goswami goes on, but at the stage of a sakti, these things take place naturally, spontaneously. Now he goes on to give us an insight 
into the mental state of that devotee at Asakti. Seeing another devotee early in the morning, such an Asaktiman devotee tells him, Where are you coming from? A beautiful box of Shalagram Shila is hanging around your neck. As you are softly chanting, your tongue is slightly moving, relishing the nectar of Sri Krishna's name. I don't know why you've come in front of the vision of such an unfortunate person, giving me pleasure. What holy places have you visited? What Mahatmas have had your have you had darshan, darshan of, and how many devotees have you made to relish the Lord, thus becoming successful and making others successful? He thus spends sometimes drinking the nectar of spiritual talks. Elsewhere he starts conversing with a lecturer, seeing the extraordinary enchanting beauty of the book under your arm, it appears that you are an expert scholar on the Bhagavat Purana. Please recite a verse from the 10th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam and bring life to my chataka-like ears with such a shower of nectar. Hearing the nectarian explanation of the verse, his hair stand erect in ecstasy. Going another place, he arrives at an assembly of devotees and says, Oh, now I will be successful, because this assembly of devotees will quickly destroy all my sins. He pays obeisances to them, falling like a stick on the ground. Then he is affectionately welcomed by the most exalted Mahabhagavat, the crest jewel of all devotees, and sits beside him in a most humble position. With tears in his eyes, he humbly begs, for his mercy and says, O crest jewel of physicians, you can destroy the grave material bondage of all the jivas in the three worlds. As I am most fallen and distressed, please take my pulse and diagnose my disease. Prescribe a powerful medicine so that I can fulfill my desires. On getting the nectarine instructions of that Mahabhagavad, he feels overjoyed and spends five or six days serving that Mahabhagavad's lotus feet. He goes on to explain how the devotee at at Asakti is starting to relate to the world as a madman. No one can figure him out except devotees. Everybody else, his family members, are bewildered by his actions. Uh, Society at large can't understand why he's, he's given up everything. Um, and he he brings out certain boy certain certain points. You know he sees boys at the outskirts of a village, and he says, uh, "Do you know where uh, the son of Nun- son of Nanda is? Will I ever see him?" And the boys say, "No." And he's, "Do they really mean it?" And then one says, "Yes," and he falls into ecstasy. At Asakti, the concentrated effort on the object, Sri Krishna, is is becoming so prominent in that devotee's life. That's he's completely consumed by attaining Krishna. Asakti means what? That attachment. And that attachment has an object, and then the object is Krishna, and wherever he goes, 
That's all he wants. Why? Where is he? Where do I find him? How do I find him? Can you help me find him? Can I hear a verse? Can I? Can you take me into your assembly? I know I'm an. I'm not. I'm not fit. Uh, but still, I. I have to find this. This Krishna, this object of my love. The service has been replaced. Not replaced, but Krishna has become the primary object of. Of every aspect of the devotee's life at the stage of asakti, and to outsiders, they could they cannot understand someone's consciousness at this stage. He's looked at as a crazy fellow. The next shower of nectar will be bhava, and as I said, uh, we will discuss these last stages of, of Bob and Prem. Uh, Vishwanath does have a lot of prose there where he tries to give us a glimpse into the mentality of the devotees that have, have attained this. It's just in, interesting to note that a Sakti is what? If we look at the analogy of, of the creeper, of, of devotional, the devotional creeper, the Bhakti Lata, if we look at the stage, Asakti is the budding stage. It's likened to the budding stage. And then there is what? Then there are flowers come from the buds. <clears throat> and this is, is compared to the bhava stage. And those flowers give a fragrance, and that fragrance is so, so sweet that it even attracts the object of the devotee's worship. That even Krishna comes to to taste the sweetness of that of that love that is coming so that flowering love being compared to bhava by the great <coughs> sadhus is followed by the fruit and the fruit is prem I'll stop there, are there any questions? thank you for your association Hare Krishna Hare Krishna